Blog Talk Radio. everybody you've tuned in to pop life where we explore all the different areas and and things and things and more things to do with pop culture and we are excited to be your first show of 2015 very excited to be here so many things to talk about already uh in the world of pop culture check us out on facebook tkrs presents Pop Life, that is on the Facebook. You can check us out over there. We'll have a show convo going on over there. So uh, head on over. You can, If you're a little bashful about calling in, by all means, get on the Facebook. Type your opinion. And uh, maybe, 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 if, if, it's, if it's entertaining enough, we'll read it on the air. So head on over to Facebook. Like us over there. 347-838-9815. That is the number to call if you want to get on in and, and talk about anything in the world of pop culture. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. If you got something else you want to bring, you got a TV show you're, you're watching, a, a song you're digging, a movie you just saw, you want to throw a review at us, by all means, give us a call, 347-838-9815. That is the number. As always, each and every month, we, we dissect this world of pop culture. I couldn't do it without... My good buddy, Todd Evans. Todd, how you doing this evening? I'm doing great, Ken. It's, uh, hey, it's 10 o'clock, Ken. It is 10 o'clock. That's right. I should, I, I am remiss. We, <laughs> we're on a half hour earlier. We're going to the big two-hour show, and uh, we've discussed it, but, hey, we are never at a loss for things to talk about, and uh, so here we are, half hour earlier, prime time. Hopefully, uh, we're going to catch you guys before you fall asleep. We're going to keep you up for the next two hours. Yeah, we need to get, like, a West Coast audience. We need to get that going, because we're really prime time. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, it's funny, because how, how many shows have we done where we're sitting here in the studio, and we're going, oh, oh I, I so wanted to say this, but, uh, oh, we ah, we just didn't get this, this or, or ah, that phone conversation was so good, we had to let them keep talking. And, and so we're just, you know, why, why are we killing ourselves? We, we've had great content. It's been a fun ride, so... Let's go to the two hours. So we're supersized now. Absolutely. Here we are. And who knows where we'll go in the future. But uh, right now, I can't wait to get into it. It's been, uh, you know, a, a little break from our last show. We hit the uh, the holidays, the uh, the mid, 
winter TV break hiatus. I can't believe that we're back already. I didn't watch nearly enough movies. I didn't binge on nearly enough uh, saved-up TV. But we'll get to that. That's a little teaser for where we're we're going later in the show. Yeah, I did, I did, I did binge a little bit, which was which was good. And uh, um, but yeah, you know, let's start off the show. Um, you know, unfortunately, way too many of our shows wind up starting off with this. And uh, another Hollywood uh, actor, um, you know, passed away uh, while we we're on break. And uh, you know, it's it's interesting because I'll tell I'll tell you, you know, this guy uh, Taylor Negron who passed away at the young age of fifty-seven, uh, liver cancer, and you know he's he's one of those guys that you know you know offhand I mean when I heard Taylor Negron had passed away I in all honesty I was like wait who and then I I, I turned on the news like oh that guy I love that guy and he was just one of those guys that that he popped up in a lot of different things um, he had a very unique look and and way about him and. You know, everything I saw him in, I enjoyed him in. So, you know, Hollywood saddened, you know, not your typical, you know, A-list kind of star, but a guy that definitely made impacts in, in all the movies and, and TVs that he starred in. Yeah, you know, on IMDb, he's got 130 TV and movie credits, which is, you know, quite the body of work. But the body of work includes, and, and it, we're talking about some really iconic Movies, especially from when we were growing up, some of our favorites. But you know, he was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, where he played Pizza Guy. He was in Better Off Dead, which we love, where he played Mailman. Johnny Dangerously, where he was in the uh, the giant part of Delivery Man. How I Got into College, where he was Mailman. And then even a few years ago in Vamps with Alicia Silverstone and Kristen Ritter, he played Pizza Guy. And that's the kind of career that he had to some degree. But as as well as those parts, he was in some others that when we were growing up, some classics, Young Doctors in Love, Easy Money, One Crazy Summer, of course, one of our favorites, Biodome, uh, where he played Russell, the, um, the the mom's boyfriend, I believe it was, Spy Hard, the Leslie Nielsen classic. He did spots on uh, TV shows as diverse as Friends and Seinfeld, ER and The Practice. And that's so Raven and Wizards of Waverly Place. He was all over the place. He had roles in in terrific um, cult movies, in some more mainstream, bigger movies. And he's also, as many people recognize him, oh, he's that guy from that thing. And I I knew him by name just because I, I get into the credits of movies more than most people. But Sorley will be missed. And, you know, we'll, we'll miss his uh, his minor roles his bigger roles, his guest roles, Taylor, Negron, rest in peace. Yeah, very sad. And, and you know, it, it's been, uh, you know, it's been an interesting break uh, for us uh, on the show. Um, you know, obviously both of us, uh, pop culture aficionados, um, we, you know, a guy like, you know, uh, Taylor Negron, you know, you know him by name, you know, I knew him by face, uh, you know, we we love the, the the pop culture. We love the comedy. We love uh, satire. We we you know love comedians that can that can push the envelope a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes comedy can move into uh, political uh, realms, which uh, I, I guess to a certain extent in America, uh, you know, maybe we've gotten a little bit spoiled as far as freedom of speech. Um, 
you know, it, it like to us, it's like you know, political satire is just uh, you know, it, it's something that just happens. I mean, you just see it, whether it's every week on on SNL, where going back and watching uh, uh, Dana Carvey do uh, George W. Bush, you know, or, or George H. Bush rather. Um, but it's something that we've you know just grown accustomed to, and uh, major tragedy in in France, uh, the terrorist attack on Charlie Hebdo, and as well as, you know, a lot of stuff from, uh, you know, the interview and, and hackers, uh, you know, it, it, it almost starts to sound like some far-fetched action movie where hackers are breaking into a, a, a you know, a, a movie studio and, and sending uh, confidential emails out and threatening if, if you release this movie, then... This this is this is going to happen, and really just it sounds kind of far fetched, but it's real life, and it, and it's it's scary. Um, you, you start to wonder, you know, as we do this show, and and you know other things you do, like do you you know do you come out and support Charlie Hebdo on on social media, and does someone see it and and uh, you know take it to an extreme? It, it definitely uh, it, it's it's scary. It's scary times. Um, you know, before we, I mean, this is a conversation that. Uh, it, it's serious, and, and we'll do our best to make it entertaining because it's very difficult to, to take a subject matter like this. Um, first and foremost, condolences, best wishes, you know, whatever positivity we can send over to France and, and anyone who is involved with the uh, Charlie Hebdo tra- tragedy. Just, just an awful, awful event, um, and, and it's, it's just it's scary times. It's scary times uh, when you look at things like this that can be coming out of uh, Hollywood and, and the media as a whole. We've seen this in France. We've seen it in other European countries. And you hit the nail on the head, Ken. It, we're so used to uh, satire, political, religious, being accepted here in America. You know, like you said, Saturday Night Live, The Onion, any of these publications where we see uh, depictions of whether it's Jesus, Moses, Muhammad, presidents, foreign leaders, and we're used to it happening. And, well, that's where the interview was a kind of surprising, well, everything that came down with that. But as far as the attacks in France, I mean, terrible. And uh, the paper continues to push the envelope, continues to, to be out there. They actually announced today that their next cover, I think coming out tomorrow, is going to feature Muhammad again. Yeah, they actually have, and, and if you haven't seen it, uh, the and, and forgive me, um, I, I, I I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but uh, uh, the the, uh, the slogan has been J. Sui Charlie, which uh, believed to mean we are Charlie. Uh, it's a right. sign of solidarity, and the cover is going to feature Muhammad holding a sign stating those words. Right, right, and it's already been stated by. You know, groups in the in the Middle East um, that this is going to be offensive again. It's going to only stir things up, but it's good to see that the leadership in France has finally stood up for Charlie Hebdo and said, "No, they're not doing anything wrong, and we're going to support them." And it's been a week full of violence in France, and that's unfortunate. We really do have freedom of speech here and in a lot of countries, including most of Western Europe and and many other places as well. And that's as it should be. And, 
you know, there's, there's no problem here saying something negative about a leader, and that's viewed as taboo in other places. And fine, if you want to say, in whether it's Pakistan or Iran or North Korea, that you're not allowed to attack a, a religious leader, a political leader, that's fine. But stay off our turf. We're allowed. You know, we can do it, and there are no repercussions. And for you to impose repercussions on us is entirely wrong and tragic. Hey, very tragic. And, and you know, like words can't express, like, how, you know, just the thought of, you know, going out there and, and you know, entertain, entertaining and, and, you know, making a a political statement through your entertainment. And, you know, that's as you're sitting in your office, uh, you have to worry about a, a masked gunman uh, running in. It's just, it, it's it's so tragic and, you know, scary times. And, I, and right there, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like, fine, man. Like, you're in your country and, and you're cool with that. And you, you think that in your country that, you know, saying bad things about uh, religious figures or your political leaders and all that, that that stuff is, you know, you don't like it there. I get it. All right, fine. Like, I get it. You know, we're America. You know, maybe freedom of speech isn't right. I don't know. We, we've grown up with it here, so whatever. That's We think you should just be able to state your opinion. You know, whether that's the – I mean, I'm I'm cool with that, but whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing, but you're saying don't come on my turf and tell me what I have to do. I'm not going to go over to your country and, and tell you you have to allow satire. You have to allow this. That's the way you guys want to live. That's the way you want to do it, um, by all means. Um, but to, to resort to violence and and move on other people's turf, that, that's where the problem is. Um, but what what gets scary is just with the the, uh, I mean with with the internet with the, uh, you know, hackers now, um, oh. and, and 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 it's just it, it's again it's like one of those things where it's it's. You know, it's almost like an action movie. I mean, it's something that you're looking at like, no, this can't be real. I mean, when you think about, you know, a, a, a satirical newspaper and, you know, gunmen just, just bursting in and, and, you know, creating a massacre. And, and with Sony, like, you know, hackers getting in and, and threat. I mean, literally holding a movie studio hostage. That was That's just surreal. I mean, really surreal. You're talking about now not a cartoon making direct fun of the Prophet Muhammad. But you're talking about a James Franco, Seth Rogen movie. All right, let's start there. <laughs> yeah, who's, who's going to take the two of them seriously? No, seriously. I mean, it, James Franco, Seth Rogen movie, where, I mean, they're tasked with, with killing Kim Jong-un, the, the leader of North Korea, and North Korea takes such offense, they warn Sony, don't go through with it. And then just a surreal happening with hacking from a country that that gets shut down very easily and on a weekly basis, but they're able to go ahead and hack a major studio and release all kinds of private information, emails, movie scripts and plans, and basically have Sony, I mean, they, they went back and they, they backpedaled a little bit, but pull it from theaters, and threaten theater chains with with terrorist attacks if they show it, and the theater chains then pull out from showing the movie. Sony says, well, we can't release it. Then you have some people saying, 
well, we're going to airdrop DVDs of the interview over North Korea uh, and let them take a look at the movie. I'm sure they would have found it as ridiculous as American audiences. And the hacks themselves, you know, it's, it's cyber terrorism. It's not nearly as tragic as what happened in France. It's surreal, but it's, it's ridiculous. And again, it's inappropriate. Yeah, and it's one of those things also that, that's weird that, you know, I mean, I haven't seen the movie. Um, I haven't had a chance to yet. I actually wound up getting a copy from a friend that just, uh, you know, it's like, hey, here, I got a copy of this. So I haven't had a chance to watch it. I have heard people that have seen it, and I've heard both sides. Right. I've heard, I, I have actually not heard anyone say that this movie, eh, it was okay. I have heard it's hysterical, and I have heard it sucks. Right. I have, I, there's like two extremes to the reviews that I've heard of this movie. Um, let's just say for argument's sake, the movie sucks. And I'm not saying it does, but let's just say, you know, it's, it's funny with these hackers, if they're so against this movie, if the movie got bad reviews and nobody said anything about it, it probably would have just faded away. Mm-hmm. Another movie, James Franco, Seth, Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen again, playing Seth Rogen. Yep. Um, and that was one of the things, like when I saw the trailer for it, as funny, look, and I've liked Seth Rogen a lot in most of his movies. But when I saw the trailer for the interview, my first thought was, Seth Rogen being Seth Rogen again. And honestly, it wasn't like I saw it and was, I got to see this. It was one of those, hey, you know, it's on cable one day, down the road a piece, I'll, I'll catch it. Sure. Um, this controversy actually created uh, more publicity for this movie. Than, I mean, you know, the old saying, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Um, and I don't know if it's necessarily true in this case, but it's interesting how the interview was on the on the lips of everybody across the country. Certainly would not have been. And look, I enjoyed Pineapple Express, and this is the end. I thought it was hilarious. I'm sure I'll enjoy the interview when I see it. It's something that I really am, am wrapped, and I'm you know I can't take my eyes off of for an hour and a half, or it's just silly fun. I'm not going to say, well, this was a waste of my time. I'm sure I'll enjoy it. But I wasn't planning on having to find it online or streaming or get a you know a copy on DVD. I thought theaters, many months, DVD, a few more months, cable, and then I'll get to see it. It's a whole other story now, and it's, like you said, no such thing as bad publicity. Everybody's talking about the interview, and it probably, based on reviews I've seen, would have been much less of a deal without everything that's happened. But now when you look at things that are going on in this world now, and you look at the Charlie Hebdo tragedy, and you look what happened with the interview, and the, the one thing that I found very intriguing about the interview situation was the fact that, um, you know, you would think, you would think, and now, you know, I'm sure studios and studio execs are backpedaling, but you would think, you know, there, there's cyber terrorism going on, and Hollywood band together. Screw these terrorists. We are banding together. We are not going to be censored. We are Hollywood. This is art, and, and we're all banding together. But in actuality, when, when it was coming close to the release, the other studios that had movies being released on Christmas were, whoa, wait a minute. People now aren't going to go to the movie theater. Whether it's to see your movie or not, if there are threats of terrorist attacks, 
where your movie's being seen, well, obviously being in the next theater over is not going to save me. So I'm not going to go to the movies now because the interview is playing there. And other studios were getting upset that that Sony was thinking about still releasing the movie because that would take away from other studios' openings. And what's intriguing about this now, to me, now granted this could be like some, you know, Dr. Evil super mastermind out there that is, it was the lone person that was able to hack into Sony and get access to all this stuff. But you start to think that it's the tip of the iceberg. The hackers out there are, are farther along, are more advanced, than law enforcement is to stop the hackers. And we've known that for years. This was the first, like, major, 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 you know, Hollywood, hack, Hollywood, 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 Hollywood type hack. Um, but it's been out there. It's been out there. For, I mean, people are losing savings accounts, you know, things, I mean, things are getting hacked everywhere. Right. And what does this mean? These incidents, you know, that, that happened, you know, at the end of 2014, beginning of 2015, what does this mean for Hollywood and media as a whole, does, 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 do we backtrack? Does, does Hollywood start to look at certain themes as taboo for fear of what, what the ramifications can be? I mean, is this the tip of the iceberg, or do we look at this as, as kind of an isolated incident? I don't think that it's going to censor content in any way. I think that the result is going to be a change in the way people communicate, a change in the way that electronic information and communication is controlled because Hollywood was a bit fractured after all of these emails and and scripts and information was released and I think that there was there was so much friction caused by it and the fact that I don't think hacking at this point can be prevented you have to accept the fact that people will hack your systems and you have to limit what's on those systems and I think that's the, the wave of the future is just going back a little bit in terms of modes of communication. It's just crazy, though, man. It, it really is just not, You know, I remember watching um, a few years back Die, Die Hard 4 mm-hmm. where Timothy Oliphant played a, a hacker. Who, uh, and essentially the, the whole movie was, you know, he was able to hack into everything. Right. Um, and And I remember watching that movie thinking... Wow, like I wonder, you know, if we'll ever run into someone who can really do this. And you, you just wonder as technology moves on, and and uh, you know, as as hackers become more advanced, uh, what this could mean. It's it, it's it's frightening. I mean, it's not like I want to sit here and get overly paranoid about it. And and the stuff that was leaked from Sony, um, you know, you wonder if there's anything else to be leaked. But uh, crazy stuff. I mean, absolutely crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, that's that stuff that, you know, it, it's worth the conversation. And, and you know, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, further shows, we might have to dissect this further. But, uh, you know, there's so many things going on in entertainment. And we, we hit on some of the, the negativity. Um, but at the beginning of the year, uh, beginning of all years, you know, winds up being the, the awards season. We find out uh, the, the best of the best or at least the best of the best, what other people think the best of the best are. And uh season starts off with the Golden Globe Awards. Uh, I'm not a big awards show guy. So I, I, I will read up on the news. I'll, I'll try and watch some snippets. Um, so I didn't watch. I didn't watch the Golden Globes. But I get it. It's a big deal. Um, you know, 
lots of awards. I saw the uh, Michael Keaton's acceptance speech. I've always loved Michael Keaton. Uh, really cool to see him getting uh, some critical acclaim. Is just deserves the Golden Globes. Uh, and of course, you know Tina Fey and uh, Amy Poehler knocking it out of the park as uh, co-hosts again. Well, you know they. It might be the last biggest commentary on the, the hacking, but they made that a big part of their show, their their monologue, and what little they did in the rest of the show. I do watch some award shows. Honestly, the Golden Globes are the the third place for me behind the Oscars and the Emmys, and the one that I sometimes catch and sometimes don't. And with previous host Ricky Gervais and now current hosts Tina and Amy for the last three years, yeah, I, I have been watching and fast-forwarding through plenty of parts, but watching them, and they did a lot of uh, commentary in the beginning on the uh, the hacking and talking to people, calling the audience the spoiled brats or whatever it was that came out in one of the emails and pointing out some of the friction that was caused between uh, certain celebrities. Then going forward through the show, making a big deal out of, uh, it was Margaret Cho as a uh, North Korean journalist, supposedly, who was there as the first first time uh, member of the Hollywood Foreign Press. And, I don't know, that stuff kind of fell flat. I thought their monologue was hilarious, and they did just as great a job as always. What happened was at the end of the monologue, they actually went ahead and made a couple of Bill Cosby jokes. And I don't know how they were received by the audience. I don't know how they were received by the network. And I did read something that said it's possible, with Bill Cosby having been an NBC icon, that they were scaled back in the rest of the show from their presence based on their Bill Cosby jokes. It's kind of quick, kind of funny, and I, kind of true based on what we've heard, not to rush to judgment. Both of them doing their Bill Cosby impressions, as everyone has, with the, you know, well, I put the pills in the people, you know, something like that. And, um. I don't know. It That was near the end of their monologue, and then we got into the awards themselves. It, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are terrific just as a team, and and the awards said a lot uh, about where we're going in the world of television and potentially where we're going in the awards show season as far as movies go. I mean, in television, we had a, a winner in the uh, best, best comedy, I believe it was, best comedy category that aired on Yahoo, uh, not Yahoo, Amazon this year. Last year it was Netflix, now it's Amazon. I mean, TV is not on TV anymore. But Transgender, uh, sorry, Transparent is the name of the show with Jeffrey Tambor. Yes. Transgender is so totally different. Well, no, it's not. He is He's transgender and he's a parent, which is... Oh, what, I see what they did there. That's what they did. Trans... Parent. Parent. Absolutely. So, oh, oh. <laughs> so, you know, he had a great acceptance speech with winning Best Actor and that winning Best uh, best Comedy. Uh, what do you think? I mean, is it right? Do you remember the Cable Ace Awards, Ken? I do. Well, that was when we said, all right, Cable's different than yes. TV. And then it finally got merged and Cable took over all the awards. And now uh, they haven't even gotten past having their own award show it's just if you're on netflix or amazon or yahoo you're up for these awards tv is not necessarily on tv yeah well, I, well it's interesting that with technology but you are on tv you're just not on network tv i mean as as smart tvs and the rokus 
and all of the good stuff uh, is accessible on TV. It's still you sitting in your living room, popping on your TV, and, and watching it. And I, and I think it's good. I, I, you know, to me, in all forms of entertainment, uh, competition is good. It's always going to be good. It's going to force like people to be better. And um, you know, maybe it, it's become you know you got a, a, a new entity in entertainment, uh, streaming services um, that that are looking. To, to put themselves on the map. They're looking to, you know, make some noise. That are going out and getting, like, legit, you know, getting a guy like Kevin Spacey uh, to be on House of Cards. You know, they're getting, you know, A-listers. Um, they're, they're kind of pushing the envelope. They're like, you know, we, we have an entertainment vehicle as well. And I think it's good. And hopefully, you know, I think, uh, you know, there was, with TV, there was this, this influx of, of reality TV. Uh, 90s into the 2000s, and then it seemed like uh, through you know maybe a lot of like basic cable, but uh, but even network TV that the scripted shows uh, have you know made a serious comeback over the past you know seven, eight, ten years almost. Um, you know, and, and which is great, but maybe as time has gone on, you know, network TV gets a little bit lazy. So now you got these new services that are going to kind of push the envelope that'll hopefully push network TV to get better, and hopefully ultimately it'll be better for us, the consumer, uh, the people that need to be entertained. I, I think it's an exciting time. I, I don't know how you feel. I think they should be included in, in all these awards. I think it, it gets silly where it's, you know, it's it's the TV awards, but only if you're on the network TV, and then you got the Ace Awards if you happen to be on the, and then what are you going to have like the the stream awards and have like a little like you know river kind of trophy kind of thing <laughs> that's that'd like, be pretty funny look it could have happened it could have been but this has evolved so quickly where it shows original series with big time actors you know from from Don Cheadle like you said and Kevin Spacey uh, Jeffrey Tambor has come a long way from his uh, guest starring roles on Three's Company um, and it went so quickly from, hey, they're on these streaming services and these different platforms to them being so recognized and networks actually saying, we need to do this too. And it's evolved much more quickly than cable did to come from its programming and its acceptance to its kind of dominance in the uh, in the television world. I mean, it's amazing when you start looking at like, some of these categories. I mean, you know, just, just glancing by, you know, uh, you know, you got uh, Best Actress in a TV Comedy, and you got, you know, Girls, Cable, Nurse Jackie, Cable, Veep, Cable, uh, Orange is New Black, uh, Streaming. You know, Network TV is, is uh, when you start to look at a lot of these categories, uh, Network TV is falling behind, and hopefully this winds up, you know, kind of lighting a fire under their asses. By the way, Ken, that was one of the most surprising categories to me. Uh, who did you just mention? Best Actress in a TV Series, Musical yeah, TV, or Comedy? TV Comedy. And and the winner, I shocked, was Gina Rodriguez from Jane the Virgin, which I heard good things about before the season started, never watched. We're talking about a show on that's the CW, isn't it? Which is kind of maybe where we end up not watching shows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but out of nowhere to win against all of these terrific names was one of, I think, the bigger shocks of the night. And I, I can imagine that uh, Miss Rodriguez was as shocked as any of us. Uh, good for her, you know, it's great. But she was one of the, the 
surprising winners, and uh, as we mentioned, Transparent, and The Affair, which is not something I've watched and I considered watching on Showtime, which did well and picked up an acting category and, and uh, a best show trophy. Best TV drama, yeah. Best te- best and I, it's drama. funny because I, I, I have it like on the DVR, and i got to be honest, I, we watched the first couple episodes. It it, it was Good. It hadn't really grabbed me yet, so I'm gonna I'm gonna binge watch it. That's the next uh, on the docket for binge watching, um, and especially now since it won, I'm curious, uh, you know, where it's at. But uh, you know, interesting stuff out of the Golden Globes. And again, you, you look, does this set the tone uh, for the award season? Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. That is the number to call. We got a couple of you that have been on hold that have been uber patient, so we're gonna get you out. On the on the hand right now. Yes, uh, we're gonna get you on right now. So bring it first up. We got Dank giving us a call. Dank, how you doing? Happy New Year. What do you got for us? Happy New Year, gentlemen. Hope you guys are doing good. You guys sound good. Sound great as always. And I'm glad you decided to extend the show by a half hour because, like you were saying, it always seems like when it gets good, good stuff and you get. Always too short. There's never enough time to talk about pop life. Um, a couple of things. I wanted to touch base on the whole thing that happened in France. And um, something, obviously not the violent part, but the censored part actually happened here as well a few years ago. It happened with South Park of all shows. There was this one episode, I forget exactly what the name of the episode was, but boys were gathering around all the deities of every religion. And when it came to Islam, the original episode that aired had Muhammad in a bunny outfit. Because that was their way of trying not to depict the actual Prophet Muhammad. There was a huge uproar by the Islamic people about, as always, the fact that you can't depict Muhammad. So the choice they were given was never air the episode again or find a way to edit it. So when the episode ended up being re-aired, when Muhammad was depicted back on the screen, there was a big censored sign in front of him for the entire episode. I remember that. That was kind of like low-key, because it was like South Park didn't really hit it as big as it did. It was before um, the bigger, longer, and uncut had come out. But it was still, like, it was something that I noticed at the time, and I didn't think much of it. But now, you know, since 9-11, and, you know, now anything in France, I didn't know that at the time you couldn't depict, you know, the prophet. But now that I know, it makes sense. So that actually did happen here, huh? No, that's where things get ridiculous, because the, the outrageous things that South Park has done with Jesus and Moses and Satan, I mean ridiculously outrageous, outlandish things, and to just depict Muhammad and then to have such backlash and such threats that that gets censored where it's so small compared to everything else really shows us that there is a, like we said before, a problem with 
other countries and other religious groups, not other, but religious groups outside of the American mainstream, imposing their standards on American media and American pop culture, and and Western France as well, of course. Well, that was actually, like, well, you are right, but also on a side note, that also happened within the cast of South Park, because if you remember, the guy, uh, Isaac Hayes, which voiced Chef yeah. for the longest time, he was on board with just about everything. You know, he was always there, you know, great guy, everything. Then they aired the episode where they made fun of Scientology, which Isaac Hayes was a Scientologist, and he quit over that episode. And they ended up killing Chef off, because Isaac Hayes quit over the fact that he's like, he fucked up tooth and nail not to air the episode. And Matt and Matt, and Matt Stone and Trey Parker went, look, we made fun of everybody else. You have no exception. You should know this. You know, we're not making fun of you. It's just a religion. It's just a joke. And Isaac Hayes ended up quitting over it. And they killed off, you know, Chef, which I loved Chef as, you know, growing up in my teens and 20s. But... Um, it always seems that everything is fun in games and everybody's on board with something as long as they're not the ones being made fun of, then all of a sudden it's a problem. And I think that's the biggest problem. That's, it's, you know, if we're going to laugh at everything, make sure we can laugh at ourselves. Because otherwise, don't laugh. And And, and that's something that I've always been big on because it's, to me, it was, you know, something that my parents always instilled me. You know, it's kind of like the golden rule. Do one to others as they do one to you. And it's, you know, in a perfect world, everybody, you know, would be able to follow that one little rule and we'd all get along. But, unfortunately, it always seems that everything's fun in games until somebody gets insulted. But, anyway, um, moving on real quick, because I know you guys got a lot of, you know, other guys in mind, but... The Golden Globes, um, I actually thoroughly enjoyed them. Um, I recorded them because I was at work, so I didn't have to sit to three hours of them. So, you know, thank God for DVR. Good for uh, you. Very high points. Um, I, I liked Margaret Cho as the whole North Korean journalist or critic. I thought it was a good, um, it was a good character. You know, I, I, it was funny. It was something different. I am biased. I like Margaret Cho. I've always liked her since she came onto the scene back in 98, 99. Um, I always found her funny. And, um, but so, like I said, I'm biased about, about that. Um, the Critics' Choice, not the Critics, sorry, the People's Choice Awards, which actually aired a week before the Golden Globes. I don't know if you guys caught that or not. That's the one that, um, the categories are chosen by the fans. Everything's voted. It's everything's fan based, and that was a lot of fun as well. I mean, it's a good way to kick off the um, award season. Um, looking forward to the Oscars. Looking forward to not just because of all the films that are nominated and everything, but Neil Patrick Harris. Three words: Neil Patrick Harris. There's nothing that guy can't touch. It doesn't turn into pure gold. And I'm looking forward to see see him as a host. And hoping that, you know, he brings the same integrity and the same intensity that he brings to the Tonys and to everything else that he does. A uh, very stand-up guy, a very nice guy. So I'm actually, for the first time, looking forward to the host as much as I look forward to the um, ceremony. I, I don't know, like, what is your guys' take on Patrick Harris? I mean, I got to keep rambling here, but 
Um, oh, I love NBA. He's, he's in my wolf pack. I, I love, <laughs> love Patrick Harris, and I can't wait to see him as host. Uh, he should be a really good time. He does just about everything and does it well. So, you know, I can't, I, and so, such range. So I can't wait to see Neil. And, and I look forward to the Academy Awards, you know, more than any other show. I love, love the movies, love what they do, even though it's a long show. It's the one I usually sit through from start to finish and try to catch it live. Yeah, I mean, I, same here though. I'm I'm a big Neil Patrick Harris fan. I, you know, he he's one because I again I'm not big on award shows. He's someone that may actually drag me in and and kind of at least catch the beginning and see how long I last, <laughs> just to see uh, uh, him doing the hosting duties. But uh, yeah, I mean, how do you not like him? How do you not like that guy? I mean, if you don't like him, then I don't know. There's something wrong with you. No, he plays. Uh, you know, the the parts he played in How I Met Your Mother and. Uh, What's it called? Uh, Harold and Kumar, to uh, <laughs> things like Hedwig and the Angry Inch, to you know, magic and just being an all-around cool guy hosting things. You know, the, the Tonys and uh, yeah, terrific, outstanding. And you know, what do you think, Dank, of uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler as hosts? Um, I like Tina Fey. Um, there's something about like she's a great host, um, and, and Amy Poehler. Is a great host. I like the chemistry that has, you know, the bond that has come between the two of them. But for some reason, she's just one of those girls that irks me. Like I don't know. Like I, I've been giving her chance after chance, but it's just like I think it's because Tina Fey comes across more as natural. Like her comedy comes across as natural. She can maybe act better. And Polar seems more like she's forcing it, and she's like trying to be funny because it's like, you know. Um, I'm here, I'm on the stage, you know, I'm here trying to make you laugh, just please laugh. You know, yeah. like, validate me. But, I don't know, like, I like, like, like I said, I like the duo, but between the two of them, I'm more of a Tina Fey fan than Amy Poehler. The Amy Poehler brash character, you know, she, look, on Parks and, Parks and Recreation, she's totally different, but that brash character that she played on Saturday Night Live in a bunch of parts, and she does when she hosts these things, you know, it, I can understand where you're coming from, but as a team, I mean, they're outstanding. From from SNL, where they hosted Weekend Update as an all-female news team, which was, you know, the only time it's been done and was done so well by the two of them. And they, they've made movies together, and this is the third time they've hosted the Globes. Really kind of a modern-day comedy team. You don't get much of that, but Tina and Amy really uh, do do great work together. Oh no, no, they do. Like, like, absolutely, they do. Like, you know, it's one of those duos that, you know, like if one decides to retire, I don't think there's anybody else is going to have that kind of chemistry with the other, regardless of which one it is. So, as a duo, I like them. Like, they are entertaining, and I think it's more like Polar's voice than anything. I don't know why it's like almost like that shrieky, shrill voice that just gets under my skin, but. Like, watching them on television, I am entertained. You know, there are some hosts that you can hear that they got thrown together, that they're trying, but they're just burning down. And it's like, okay, I'm really going to flip it. I'm going I'm to change the channel now because it's just, it's a, I can't watch this anymore. But um, last thing, before I let you guys go, what is your opinion? I, I don't know if you guys caught it or not. Did you guys watch the, the um, Oregon... Uh, OSU game last night? Parts of it. Parts. 
Um, I I watched it because the fiance is a big OSU fan, and her family's alma mater from OSU. And I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to her, and all of a sudden, I look up, and it's Captain America on television. I'm going, Captain America on television? For some reason, my mind went ahead by a year and a half, and I thought it was the trailer for Captain America 3. <laughs> Not realizing, I'm like, wait a second, let me rewind this. And I'm like, wait, Avengers hasn't come out yet. So, stopped and watched the Avengers preview. I liked it. I like you know, the different, you know, the, the different take on it, the different aspect on it. But I still prefer the first one, and the reason why I like the first, I prefer the first one, it's because it invokes the creepiness of Ultron, like the the, the little child singing Pinocchio in the background, and at the very end he finishes the song. There are no strings on me. Like to me, that just resounds and. Like, I'm waiting to go to the movies to see that one scene and just be like, ah, like, it gives me goosebumps. But what do you guys think of the new trailer? I honestly couldn't agree with you more. I I really, you know, it was, I mean, it was cool to see a little bit more of the Hulkbuster uh, armor. Um, I think you got a real sense of, you know, it's a shot of Hulk's face where, I mean, I know he's a Hulk, but uh, it looks even more enraged, like just more completely out of control, and I thought that was cool. There's that, you know, it, it gave you a hint that something screwy definitely happens with Banner and the Hulk, and uh, that really leads him to be completely out of control. But I agree with you that it was kind of a, the second trailer was, hey, yeah, cool, more stuff. But the first one was the, oh my God, if I can buy my ticket now, I will buy it and 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 just wait online for the next couple months. Like, that's what the first trailer did. I don't think the second trailer really grabbed you as well as the first trailer. No, more action-oriented, you know, a lot more of the battle scenes, a lot more of who's siding with who, who's battling who, but not that overall aura, creepiness, you know, just artistic feel you got from the first one. Dank, before we let you go, one thing we got to ask you, and we're going to get into this a little bit later in the show, but uh, just quickly... If you had to name the the greatest American rock band ever, who would it be? Aerosmith. Ah, yeah, there you go. Like, yeah, it's a- I can't Aerosmith. I'm, I've been a fan since I was a, a kid, actually, because I was listening to them growing up in Europe. And um, them and Guns N' Roses, but I've always been more of an Aerosmith follower than GNR. But hands down... If I had, like, right now, if you were like, I got two tickets, one to Guns N' Roses, original band, one to Aerosmith, which one do you want to go to? I'll take Nosebleed Aerosmith to Front Row Guns N' Roses. Sorry, Aerosmith all the way. There you go. Dank, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot for uh, your insight, and uh, always love talking to you. And uh, give us a call next month. Uh, Take it easy. And, again, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Thank you very much. Go Patriots. Take care, Dank. And Dank always good. Just, uh, you know, we're going to get back to the phones, a little bit of breaking news. You know, pop culture, it encompasses everything. You know, if you see it on your TV or hear it on your radio, it's part of pop culture. Uh, so in the world of sports, yes, sir. Uh, Todd Bowles right. uh, to be the Jets' new head coach. Uh, coming across the wire, Jets have uh, given him a four-year deal. So uh, I guess we can figure about four years, he'll be fired. They'll have no quarterback, and we'll start the whole process over again. Probably. You know, that's fine with me as a Giants fan. Um, 
you know, it's it's really not. It wouldn't be such news if he wasn't replacing one of the biggest celebrity coaches in sports, Rex Ryan. Otherwise, it's just another coaching change. But he's definitely got some large shoes and large clothes to fill. Is there is there any doubt that like next year, like the Bills are going to win like fifty two to nothing, against, <laughs> like twice against right. the Jets? Anyway, three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. Oh, jeez, we had Leslie on the line. We, we lost her call. We're just going to her. I know she was patient. She's on hold for a while. So we're gonna we will pull you. I mean, we will stop everything we're talking about. If you want to give us a buzz back now, I know you're on hold for for a bit. Uh, thank you for supporting the show. But uh, sorry, uh, it took us a little bit to get you on the show. But let's let's get back into it then, because we got a lot to talk about coming out of the Golden Globe Awards. Well, award. You know, before, before we leave the Globes, okay. Before we leave the globes, the globes. We talked a lot. What lo- about J Lo's globes? That was a. Did you hear the joke? Oh uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and they certainly, you know, with with her tan on and her, you know, whatever makeup goes in that area, certainly were golden globes as well. I mean, uh, good point. More than most, they were certainly golden globes. Um, so she makes her a good presenter. But you know, we talked a lot about. <laughs> We talked a lot about television at the Globes. Really, more so than TV, it's it's here as one of the first big uh, shows in movie award season. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention some of the big winners and probably some of the major contenders at the Academy Awards being Boyhood, the Grand Budapest Hotel, and Birdman. Uh, Boyhood and Grand Budapest Hotel winning the two best movie awards and by the way, Boyhood on DVD, the Grand Budapest Hotel already on cable, so easily you can catch those. Uh, if you remember last year, I was one to binge on all of these nominated movies. I can get a head start on a couple of those, but I think you should catch them. I can't wait. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel is next in my queue on my DVR, so I'll be getting to that. And like you said, great win for Michael Keaton. Very happy to see that. You know, great to see uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. I'm a fan of West a- Wes Anderson and Boyhood. Wow, what an incredible project! I mean, what a, what an amazing thing. We'll get into this more as the Academy Awards get closer. But Richard Linklater and his vision, and the fact that most people agree it was accomplished so well. Yeah, that that's a movie that you know I didn't get a chance to see, but really, you know, intriguing. I mean, that would, that was one of those. You know, you see these movies and they come out and. You know, nowadays, look, let's face it, I mean, you know, I, we, we enjoy movies that, that critics pan sometimes. Um, you know, we we, fly, you know we, we march to the beat of our own drum, and so don't necessarily listen to critics. However, you know, let, let's put it out there. Movies are not cheap anymore, and a lot of times, uh, you know, you don't go see a movie because, like, all right, everyone's panning it, you know, I'm not going to waste my money. And, and, you know, and people... You got kids, people have things to do, you know. If if the critic influences you, you know, maybe you don't see a movie. Uh, This movie was a movie that, regardless of um, the critics, I was going to make it a point to see this movie. I mean, the the idea of, of, you know, actually filming the the development uh, and, and, you know, for a child to, to actually, like, really age on screen, um... It's just such a unique idea and uh, something that, like, I'm sure everyone I know I have, and I'm sure 
people have always thought, you know, what, like, could you ever do a movie like that? And, and they actually did it. And it's something that's very intriguing and uh, uh, definitely tops as far as uh, movies that I got to catch up on. Yeah, it's very, very intriguing. And so many ways it could have gone wrong, especially with a, a child actor and his development. You know, who knows where that would have gone. And a, a great joke by Tina Fey and Amy Poehler about Patricia Arquette and her role saying, uh, there are still roles for actresses over 40 in Hollywood as long as you're cast before you're 40. <laughs> oh, they kid, those two. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. I mean, when you look at the, the you know, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, and I, I think Dan kind of hit, you know, a lot of uh, stuff on the head there. Um, you know, I, I, I think when you watch the two of them, I, li- I like Tina by herself more than, than Amy. Um, you know, I do find Amy, you know, it's almost, I, I think Dan just said it the best. Like, Tina's just more natural. Amy comes off as, I'm being funny now. Look at me, I'm being funny. Um, Chemistry-wise, I think they, at least for me, they work very well together. Yeah. And they do, you know, the the idea of, like, your classic comedy team um, it, it's gone by the board a, a little bit. You're, I don't know if you'll ever have anything like that, those teams of yesteryear with uh, Laurel and Hardy and uh, Abbott, Abbott and Costello, Costello, Martin and Lewis. I mean, all those those kind of three stooges. Um, you know, you do have to a certain extent. You could make the case, I guess, for Franco and Rogan, um, the amount of movies that they've been in together. Um, I, I still don't know as much they've been in a few movies. I don't know if you necessarily look at them like like a team uh more recent memory cheech and chong sure um but you know polar and fay uh they, they've kind of seen their their work on snl uh what they've done on the golden globes and they have a movie coming out this year um you know they're kind of building at least a little bit of a resume for being a a 2000 2000s version of a comedy team right right now, I'm going to stick up for Amy Poehler a little bit just because she does have this personality when she's herself and when she's playing the character, I guess, of Amy Poehler. But on Parks and Recreation, she is such a different character, such a, a great character and such a great show. And by the way, uh, the last season of Park Re- Parks and Recreation premiered tonight. Of course, I did not get a chance to see yet, but I've been looking forward to and it's finally back. You know, it's one of those things where networks will schedule shows for a very late in the season premiere, whether it be January or even March. It's plotted out where it didn't used to be that way. And so the the wait for some of the returning shows, some of the new shows, finally we're here. And I can't wait. And they're unfortunately, they're burning off Parks and Recreation two at a time over the course of just a couple of months, which I'm surprised about. But that's one of the shows I've really been uh, looking forward to returning, and I can't wait to see it. Still, and I was amazed. I got an, ep- uh, an issue of Entertainment Weekly. The first person I noticed on the cover was Chris Pratt. And I said, that's right. He's still in a TV series. <laughs> I mean, Chris Pratt, Aubrey Plaza, Aziz Ansari, still in a TV show. And it's a pretty good cast, you know, along with Amy Poehler and, and um, Nick Offerman, who's become his own personality at this point but it's a great ensemble and uh, so i can't wait to see it. you ever watch it i i have not i actually it was one of those shows that i gave a chance to and it it, it just didn't it didn't do it for me it just did 
it didn't grab me. And, and it, it's funny, like, as we talk here, you know, and we, we're all, like, pop culture guys here. We're TV people. And it just it just gets to a point where, you know, it, it's almost like, like brutal tryouts, you know. It's like right. you're, 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 you premiere, and essentially when I sit my ass on my couch and I put you on for the first time, you're auditioning. That is your audition as a TV show. And you know what? It's just like, up yep, next. So maybe I was quick. Maybe at some point I'll revisit it, but uh, it didn't grab me, so it kind of uh, went by the board. But it's always been good with us, and now we're talking a lot about TV and comedies and stuff, but a lot of the dramas I watch, you watch a lot of the comedies, which definitely uh, kind of make the show go round. But, uh, yeah, just, I don't know. Community just didn't grab me. No, that was Parks and Recreation. Community. Community. I'm, I'm confusing my shows. That's right, because Community is coming back as, I think... I watched Community, actually. I did watch Community. I love Community. It's back on Yahoo. Yahoo! Nice. Thank you. It's back on Yahoo. I think they call it Instant Screen or something like And, I mean, again... It only More technology! Yeah. More! Second scripted show to be on, on Yahoo... And that's another one I'm looking forward to. Also, the last season, some changes in the cast and everything. But looking forward to that. I saw a headline and did not read the story, but the date of its premiere has been announced. And unfortunately, I can't tell you anymore unless I went ahead and got on my technology right now. And maybe I'll do that and see if I can provide you with anything. But that's another one I'm looking forward to coming back. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because I, I I didn't even realize you know I, I kind of missed I guess that announcement. I liked Community. Community was a, a fun little show. So I actually it's weird for me. I, I just haven't. It's been tough for me to get into comedies as as of late. I mean I guess it's categorized as comedy. It's more of a dramedy. I've gotten into uh, Orange is the New Black. Um, but I I honestly don't watch. You know I watch Modern Family, but I, I can't say that's a, a new comedy. Uh, you know, there's very few comedies I actually watch nowadays. So maybe, maybe, I, maybe that's part of my problem. March seventeenth, everybody. Well done. March seventeenth. Patrick's Day. That's it. So you get hammered and watch Community. That's not a bad way to watch Community, probably. There you go. So now, see, we were, we should, we should do like a special episode and come up with a Community drinking game while we're on the air. Anyway, we digress. But speaking of TV, lots of, uh, you know, we're. Beginning of the year, we got the mid-season replacements coming on, certain shows coming back, uh, you know, the, the whole cable, um, you know, season thing happens, so new shows starting, like uh, Justified is starting its its final season, um, you know, Shameless came back, uh, you know, the show, I mean, that's that actually might be my favorite night of television uh, when they're all back at the same time. I watch Shameless, House of Lies, and Episodes. Hey, look, look at that. House of Lies and Episodes, two comedies I watched. But uh, Did you see the first episode of Episodes? I did see the first episode of Episodes. That was a good episode. It was a great episode. <laughs> I'm looking forward to more episodes of Episodes. I can't wait. There are so many episodes of Episodes that I, I just want to see every episode that they make. It's very episodic. Of Episodes. Yeah. But it was good. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Matt LeBlanc is hilarious as Matt LeBlanc. Yeah, he's just he's like, you know, the best on that show is like, I lost $32 million. But you still have $31 million. But I lost $32 million. Oh, <laughs> uh, we can do this on it. But it, it's, a, it's a fun time. You know, it's interesting because as we grew up, as, as most people, you know, up until recent memory, you know, you grew up with shows go from September 
to May-ish, May-ish, June-ish, and then you had the summer hiatus. And so you basically had that one time a year that you had, quote, your show returning, and you're looking forward to your shows. With uh, mid-season replacements, with the shorter cable uh, seasons that, that occur, uh, now this happens all year round, and this is one of the biggies where a lot of shows come back, as well as those, like I said, mid-season replacements. Yeah. Uh, well, I've caught already the first. I, I, we haven't seen Parks and Recreation yet, premiere tonight, but I already saw episodes, and I watched the first Archer. Archer is back to its roots, which is nice because it went a little off last season with Archer Vice, and it was a whole other thing, and they made a big deal about how they completely reconstructed their original office and they're back to doing the spy game. Funny, if you don't know it, their their spy agency was called ISIS. Very unfortunate, and they've dropped the name. They're now kind of a uh, branch uh, working maybe for hire for the CIA. But Archer was back, very funny first episode. And then it's the new shows. You know, one that I tried was Marvel's Agent Carter. And I watched one of the two that aired the first night. I'm wondering if you did and if you have any thoughts. She's hot. Yeah, sure. She's hot. Yeah, good job getting from a smaller part in Captain America to, you know, headlining your show. Yeah, I have, you know, again, it's another show. It's, it's DVR. Uh, you know, see, there's certain shows that, I don't know if you run into this, like me me and my girl, we, we got a lot of the similar tastes. So the ones that we don't have the same taste on wind up being those shows that I have to figure out when I'm going to watch it on my own. And Agent Carter is one of those shows. Uh, Shield, the Agents of Shield, is another one of those shows. So I, I got to catch up with that on my own. So I got the first two episodes uh, on DVR. I got to be honest though, as as a, I'm going to watch it, and I've heard good things about it, um, and it looks interesting. Yeah. I, I did wonder, as much as she is hot, um, then I love that look. That just okay. Um, did she need her, her own show? That was the one thing that struck me when it was like, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. presents Agent Carter. Uh-huh. And I'm like, do we, do we need? Do we, do we really need an, an Agent Carter show? Is that, is that completely necessary? So, again, heard good things. Give it a chance. But, and especially because of, you know, as we've talked on the show, the Marvel Universe. And God knows what clues they could be throwing our way in Agent Carter. So i got to make sure I'm up on that. But my gut reaction was... Do we really need an Agent Carter show? Yeah, I don't know. If, well, do we really need any show? Um, Valid point. But, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that branch of the Marvel Universe without the superheroes. And this is a branch of the Marvel Universe in 1946 without the superheroes. I love the technology that they use in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The technology that they use in 1946 is very advanced for the 1940s. So it's not really that wow factor that you get and it's really more of a little spy game and you know tony stark's dad is in it and it was it was interesting and she's in the show very upset this isn't too much of a spoiler but she's basically mourning the death of captain america who she had a little thing with and so it's interesting and you know the the fact that she's now trying to clear the name of uh you know mr iron man um you know, that being, of course, Iron Man's dad. They don't call me Mr. Iron Man. That's my dad. But anyway. That's why he's my Iron Man. <laughs> Mr. Iron Man. Iron Man. Um, so I like the first one. I haven't watched the second one yet. Maybe that's a little telling. 
we'll see. We'll see. I love Shield. Not sure about this one. Yeah, again, like it's just one of those things like you got to kind of be up on the whole universe, and that's that's really where where I'm at with this. And I'm and I'm figuring like it's going to end with with clues for the future of of Shield. So that's why I'm going to keep up on it. But sure. but we'll see. But what else? What else are you looking forward to in this uh, this uh, television universe? Well, I've I've watched two other new shows, uh, one in part, I, Hindsight, which is on VH1, and I gave it a shot because it's about a time travel back to the mid '90s. So had to give it a shot but it's this woman who is on the eve of her second marriage wakes up and all of a sudden it's the eve of her first marriage in i think 1995 something like that i watched about two-thirds of it and i enjoyed the 90s throwbacks and i was done i gotta tell you i love with that show that they've actually put on the, the commercials a scripted tv show or scripted they, they make a point like really well, so, so the time travel, it's not a reality show. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. It's scripted. Oh, because I thought VH1 actually discovered time travel. It's a good thing they cleared that up, and that's not a reality show. Thank you, VH1. they got to put that. It's like a disclaimer. Well, the other show that I watched, and I just saw the first episode premiered last week, was a hell of a ride. Gallivant was so much fun, and I was not expecting it. But it is a medieval musical comedy with some kind of raunchy modern jokes thrown in. And, and it was just a heck of a lot of fun. And I had to give it a shot because it's written by an ex-camper of mine when I was a day camp counselor named Dan Fogelman, who's done some great stuff. He got started as a co-writer on uh, the Pixar movie Cars. Then was a lead writer on Tangled. He wrote um, Fred Claus. Uh, I think it's called The Road Trip, the one with Seth Rogen again and Barbara Streisand. When he played Seth Rogen? Of course. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> and recently, uh, The Neighbors, which is that odd aliens living in suburbia sitcom. And uh, ah. right, Well, this one was unexpectedly, I thought, a terrific show. I hope that it did well. I haven't checked the ratings. I haven't checked the reviews. I'm going to stick with it because it was it was really fun. Other than that, shows I'm looking forward to uh, the Odd Couple, which we mentioned last month. Do, 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 do. Better Call Saul, which is a spinoff of a show you watched. Yeah, Brady, I'm looking forward to it. That's a, you know, what's cool about that show is that it's, it's supposed to be a, you know almost a prequel. Right. So they, they have said that uh, Breaking Bad characters uh, could very well be making cameos because they're actually all living in the, the same place. So uh, I, that's kind of cool. Definitely looking forward to that. Uh, how about the fact that there's going to be a 12 Monkeys TV show? Dude, I know. I, I, like Immediately when I saw that, I thought of you because that – talk about a time travel mind F. That blew our minds. We man. went to see that movie, what, like three or four times in the theater just trying to make sense of it. And right. each time we walked out going, but wait! More clues, wait! more questions. Yeah, that was – Oh, that just totally messed up. I mean, now i got to watch that movie again, and then I'm going to have to try and make heads or tails out of this TV show. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I mean, I love the movie, but it definitely uh, – I, I immediately thought of you when I saw that, oh, my God, they're making this a TV series. Right. How about the fact that in a couple of weeks we have the nightly show with Larry Wilmore replacing the Colbert Report? That's just crazy talk. But it's, it's happening. Colbert's moving up, and we've got uh, a new host. There's always these late-night shake-ups. 
One other one I've got to mention I'm looking forward to is The Last Man on Earth with uh, Will Forte. Yes. That looks very interesting. I'm trying to figure out how they work this Last Man on Earth thing on a weekly basis. But I thought the same thing about Gallivant. Now I'm, I'm on board. So we'll see. Any others that you're looking forward to, Ken? I, you know, you, you nailed it. I mean, I'm really the one I'm really curious about um, is honestly the odd couple. Uh, I'm, I, and especially when you look, and, and I get it, a lot, a lot of people know Thomas Lennon. I mean, we do. Um, and, and in all honesty, it's almost like they cast two Felixes. Uh, you know, if you know if you know him and you know Matthew Perry, and most people you know, know Matthew Perry, I think your gut reaction uh, for both of them is like they both would make a good Felix, which one's going to be Oscar. Um, so I'm really – I like Matthew Perry a lot. And I, and I think Matthew Perry, it never found an audience, but Go On was a very good show. It was a very good show. I thoroughly enjoyed that show. It was a real good ensemble cast, um, quirky cast. It uh, was a show that, that kind of, you know – Tugged at some heartstrings. I had some serious moments, but I had a lot of funny bits. And, and I also like felt really bad for Matthew Perry because you got these guys that come out of, you know, these really successful shows, and you know it's almost like they get lumped in. Oh, look, Matthew Perry, another flop on his hands. Can't do anything since Friends. And that and, was after Studio Sixty yeah. on the Sunset Strip, which I I really enjoyed. And I heard that that like people who watched that I didn't, yeah. but I heard it was good. I like to go on a lot. So, it, like, I look at Matthew Perry as a guy who has done some quality work. I just can't seem to, to find it. And now I'm not sure if this is going to be it. Um, I know there's a lot of negativity surrounding it because the, the, the former casts, uh, you know, Lennon and Matthau, uh, Lemon, Lemon and Matthau, right. and uh, Klugman and uh, Randall. Um, and you the know, many pairs that must have played them on Broadway. Yeah, you know. it, it's it's tough. I mean, those two pairs are definitely, you know, part of uh, Americana. Sure. Uh, so definitely difficult to, you know, replace them or to, you know, I don't know, for older TV viewers, it's going to be difficult. But I'm really curious to see how Matthew Perry attacks the role of Oscar. Um, the other show, I'm a huge Justified fan. Um, you know, that Hillbilly Shakespeare is the best way to describe that. Uh, some of the best dialogue you will see on TV is on that show. And um, final season, so, you know, all bets are off. Who knows what character's going to live or die coming out of this series. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that. You know what else might be on its final season is American Idol. Yeah, that's, that's big news. Yeah. That, that's huge. And, and, you know, that's a show that, like, I mean, I gave up on it a few years ago. Me too. Um, and it, it's, oh, it's been dying like a, a slow, somewhat painful death, you know, yeah. as... as uh, they try to reinvent and reinvent and reinvent. Even like recently, I mean, I guess it was cute. And look, if it was me auditioning, it would have been cool. But it's like, you know, it's almost becoming a dog and pony show. And, and one of the auditions, um, they gave, uh, you know, this kid started singing. Um, and, and Jesus Christ, who are the, the judges now? Uh, uh, Keith Urban and uh, Harry. J-Lo still? Yeah, J-Lo and Harry Connick Jr. Right. Um, and, and the kid's going to sing this song. And Harry Connick Jr. gets up and, and grabs the piano, and Keith Urban grabs his his guitar and starts playing with him, and J Lo starts slow dancing with him, as oh, as as he's singing, and then Urban is singing harmonies for him with it, and it's just like, you know, as much as again, if that's me, awesome. I don't need to make the show. That is like the moment of moments, and I will, I will be telling my grandkids about 
slow dancing with J-Lo as I, as I serenade her. That being said, it, it came off to me as kind of a desperate dog and pony. Let's, let's tweak things. Let's change the formula. And the bottom line is the show earlier was the best version of the show. Um, just straightforward auditions. Give us some of the bad ones, but not a, a goddamn week of bad auditions. Oh, that's terrible. Give us the good auditions. Give us Simon. Give us Paula. Give us Randy. And that's what makes the show work. In all honesty, once Simon decided he was done, they should have ended the show there. Yeah. Um, they, they've been desperately trying to hang on. And it, it really is interesting that uh, something that's, that's kind of almost a, a staple on American television um, maybe on its last legs this year. Yeah, it's an institution. And the, the ratings didn't just start to creep down. They plummeted. And they've gone to one episode a week this year. And it, it may be done. Done. Let's go back out to the phones because we got Mike who's been on hold for a little bit. Let's bring him on board. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. That is the number to call. Hello, Michael. Hey guys, how's it going? Doing hey, all right. How are you? What's up? Okay, I'm good. Good. Good tonight. Just listening to you guys talk about American Idol and uh, slow dancing with uh, J Lo or whatever. Yeah, well, it happened on TV. I mean, again, like I, you know, if I'm I'm the guy that gets to slow dance with J Lo, that that's cool. But as far as uh, TV, to me, it just it just screamed desperation and trying to, you know, I don't know, like create something that, you know, people are going to post on their Facebook and the video is going to go viral and people are going to say, oh, that's cool. You know, I I need to tune in. Um, but I I I think that show's done. I was never really a big American Idol fan. I mean, you know, they it did generate it did generate um, you know, some stars and, and for people to you know, people to uh like them, but I was never into the music scene. But I gotta tell you, tonight I watched the new Wrestling with Death. It's pretty cool. Oh my god, you watched that? Oh, tell me for those of you who don't know what Wrestling with Death is it's a show about this, this family that owns a funeral home, but their obsession is pro wrestling. So I gathered from the preview that they run a little independent promotion as well as running their funeral home. Give us give us a little bit and, and give us your review of the show. Okay. Um, yes. They, uh, well, the, yes, they run, it's called MCW Wrestling, and uh, the owner runs the um, funeral in the day, and he also works uh, on a levy, which is, you know, he has a levy, which is the cows and stuff on the farm, and then he um, does the he does the independent promotion. Um, they actually run uh, on Tuesday nights and, uh, and, and Fridays, I think Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, the show so far is, is, is pretty cool. The father, um, the wife, and I think I think it's his uh, his son-in-law. He's the uh, world champion of that promotion, and um, and he has another um, he has another uh, son-in-law uh, who who does the wrestling, and he also does the um, the uh, funeral. But so far, so good. I mean, I watched two episodes of it, and um, I'm seeing a lot of people criticizing it as bad on, on my Facebook page. Oh, no, I mean, it, it's interesting because this, I mean, for lack of a better term, this quote-unquote redneck television is, is definitely like, you know, it's spawning off, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of different shows that seem to be kind of working out there. I mean, Stone Cold has got 
uh, Redneck Island and uh, Broken Skull Ranch Challenge. You know, he's got two shows out there. Now this uh, this show, there's, jeez, uh, I'm forgetting the name, but the show that comes on before Redneck Island, it's like Southern Redneck Inbred Party. Oh, something come on. Or other. <laughs> oh, man. But, but it is becoming like, you know, uh, uh, somewhat formulaic where, you know, just these, these uh, idiosyncratic Southern families and and uh individuals just uh people are finding it kind of entertaining so uh, you know it and this is something that that's kind of it's definitely different and don't forget there are a lot of people who relate to this i mean we're on a coast and you know the the other coast and they talk about the flyover states and the southern states and people have their opinion there are a lot of people that don't live in new york and la and there there's some tv that caters to them and party down south. There you go. It's not. It's not. It's southern inbred party in that redneck. I'd watch that. It's kind of funny that WGN America, um, you know, they 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 they're coming together with these shows. There's another show coming on that's like American Outlaws, and it it looks pretty. It looks pretty cool. I mean, I, I like the concept wrestling with that. I mean, you know, you know, everybody knows that independent wrestling is not your number one job because it does not pay. So you know you have to get another job. So this family, not only did they do the funeral, but they, they put the, they, he shows you everything. He shows you the pride they put in it. And it's just, it's just an amazing show. I mean, I like it. This is my second episode tonight. They have... They have it on uh, two episodes, and uh, I, I I liked it. But Todd, I have a question for you. Yeah. We're talking pop culture, and I I got um, I want to know what do you think about Macho Man Randy Savage going into the whole getting going going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame? Oh, finally! I mean, I, I read the uh, the spoilers on the net. And I uh, read the people who confirmed it, including you, on Facebook. And finally, I mean, we know that the guy is one of the greatest of all time. It's unfortunate that it has to happen posthumously. But congratulations, Macho Man. It's uh, it's about time. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. I think last night on Ken's show, Ken and I and Dave uh, Rosenbluth was talking about it. And it was just an amazing thing. And the Hulkster is going to induct Macho and write these and write write the so. I mean, absolutely, the Mega Powers. That's right, the Mega Powers. The man that was there. If it wasn't for Hogan, you know, Macho wouldn't have been champion. I mean, he would have he would have been champion, but not on that night. You know, Hogan hit DiBiase in the back with the chair, Macho with the elbow, and it was magic. And it was Mega Powers and. I just can't uh, can't express how happy I am and love Macho Man, and I'm glad for him and his family. I can't wait to see who else they're going to put in this year at the Hall of Fame. But, Ken, you're going to be there. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty psyched. I mean, you know, we, we kind of toyed with not going this year, and we decided that we were going to go, and, and I'm just I'm so excited to see uh, Macho Man. And it's interesting, you know, on this show, even, you know, Macho Man being inducted into the Hall of Fame is definitely something that transcends uh, pop culture, you know, his uh, well, that's Slim Jim campaign. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, even uh, 
because he played minor league baseball. MLB.com was reporting um, that he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. So it's definitely something that transcends uh, pop culture. And, and it's well, he also played for the Cardinals. Right. Yes. Played in the Cardinals organization amongst the – I think he played in the Reds organization, and I, I feel like there was <laughs> one other. How about Smolty? How about John Smolty? How about how about my old John Smolty getting inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame this year? I'm excited about that. That's another biggie. You know, I, I agree that he belongs, and I have no problem with anyone who belongs going on the first ballot, but he was one of the more controversial uh, picks in the last couple of years, at least on the first ballot. I disagree, Ooh. man. The guy who was an outstanding starter for so long and in the middle of all that took three years to become a, one of the best closers in the game. Man, I, absolutely first ballot Hall of Famer, as well as uh, the first ballot Hall of Famer who will go in on his fourth try, Mike Piazza. Well, Piazza probably won't even get in because... Uh, oh, no, he's getting yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to tell you that, but, but before I get to that one, I, I just want to let you know about John Smoltz. John Smoltz, yes, he did the, the starter, they had the operation, Tommy John. Then he then he went and he did the closing, and then he went back to starting, and 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 that's a that's a big feat. But uh, Mike Piazza, I don't think he's going to get in. Listen, he's getting in next year. His numbers have jumped <laughs> by, but no, honestly, from five to ten percent, I think every year his numbers have gone up. This year he was at mm-hmm. just shy of seventy percent, and next year, it's not like the last couple of years where there's this glut of new tremendous first ballot Hall of Famers. You know, you've got Griffey, and that's about it. And I guarantee you, Piazza is number two next year. Hey, Ken, you know... Oh, sorry. sorry, It's an absolute travesty that he's not in yet. Long overdue. Well, Pepperoni Piazza has been doing stuff I can't even talk about. And then uh, MLB, I don't think... I don't know. I think MLB... I think MLB just doesn't... uh, want him anywhere near the Hall of Fame. I mean, I, I, I like to see him in. I like Piazza. You know, the guy was good. I mean, he, you know, when he went to the Mets, um, and even when I haven't met, I was at, I was at his last uh, game at, at, at Shea. And, uh, you know, I like Piazza, but, hey, you know, my Braves are just getting in. Chipper Jones is going to be a uh, oh, yeah. uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, even as a Mets fan, I, I agree Chipper's going in, but Piazza is not, he's not Clemens, Bond, Sosa, McGuire. He is not in that category. There's nothing that linked him to that. And, you know, you just, you hit at the wrong time in, in your, you know, in the timeline of baseball and you get linked into things. He's, it's wrong that he's not in. And I, I'm sure he will be. I, I, I'm just going to put my vote right now. I hope that Tim Raines gets the bump in the next couple of years because he was one of my favorites. And I think he belongs in the hall. And you know what's sad? I mean, yes, I know, I know you. Do, I, I, I know he gambled on baseball. I know Pete Rose did it, but you know what? Pete Rose should have been in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he, I, I don't know. I mean, and 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 the whole steroids thing. Yeah, it's cheating, and cheaters don't, you know, belong in the Hall of Fame. I mean, is that is that the sentiment? Is that what what Pete Rose did? He cheated because he, you know, he gambled on baseball and. I don't know. To me, put him in the Hall of Fame. He's not, you know, I don't know. That's my opinion. But I have a question for you, Ken. Um, Today I was reading people were saying who belongs in the Hall of Fame. I would never put him in the WWE Hall of Fame 
that's me personally. But people are saying, Benoit, what do you think? No. No. I, I'm that's sorry. Good. I mean, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, do you think if if, if it happened beforehand, um, O.J. Simpson would go into the Football Hall of Fame? If, if, you know, I mean, he wasn't in already. But do you think that he'd go in if, if you know, he had to be? I, I, I just think it's, uh, look, I was a big Benoit fan when he wrestled. Um, he, he was great. But there's there's no, I mean, people need to, to take a step back and, and so, you know, and not to get on a soapbox or anything, but people are living in a goddamn fantasy world. I mean, he murdered his family. I mean, let's stop. I, let's, we don't I need agree to give with you on that. any any honors. He's he's a yeah. he's a piece of garbage who murdered his family and then killed himself. As far as I'm concerned, you know, any honors you can take away. I got no problem with Vince McMahon doing everything he can to erase him from the history books. I, I just think that you know, let's let's stop. I, I get it. You were a fan. I mean, I, I understand that. We've all been fans of, of probably celebrities or wrestlers or athletes that eventually did something wrong that you have to kind of backtrack your fandom. People who, like, want to ad, advocate for a guy who killed his family is is beyond me. I think it's ludicrous. I never put him in. And the fact of the matter, to be perfectly honest, if that day ever came and I had tickets to that Hall of Fame induction, I'm not going. There you go. Pas- passionate response from Ken to your uh, your little query, Mike. I've I've got. Yeah, well, a question here's the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, well, I've you, got go a ahead. question go ahead. to you, Mike. Before we go, what is the best American rock band ever, Mike? And I I think I know Ooh. your answer. Go ahead. Well, I don't know. I I'm a big. My favorite band is Metallica. Um, but me personally, I don't know. I mean, uh, there's so many good ones. You got the Doors, you got the Eagles, you got, oh, mm, the, um, I don't know, between the door. I would have to say the I would have to say the Eagles. Although America is really close to to those, I love America too. So I don't know. I if if you're asking me, I have to say the Eagles. I figured that's where you were going. I mean, uh, they they did have a, some great stuff, but uh, to get right back to and then. You guys can do whatever you want, but to get right back to the other thing, Ken, I'm surprised that Vince McMahon let them, um, you know, have Benoit in the matches on, on I fast forward it when I see it on the network. They're on the network. He didn't do what he did when it was on my uh, demand, you know, like how he altered Benoit out of there. But I'm surprised he let them, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't alter it to take him out so people didn't have to see Benoit. But that's yeah, my I, opinion. I, I, I get it, but I'm okay with, with that. I mean, there, there is certain things that, like, you know, you don't want to, you know, totally destroy, uh, you know, pieces of history, and I get it. You know, it's just, um, to me, like, it's tough to change history, but, you know, to me, I, I don't understand how anybody, anybody is going to look to give this guy an award. I mean, like, and how? What? What the hell is that? Like, induction speech? Well, be? their just, their argument is because it's wrestling. He's a wrestler. He didn't. No, you know, no, their arguing no, is what matter. he accomplished it, 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 in the ring. It transcends. It transcends. You killed your family. Like, you get nothing. You get nothing. Period. What do you guys? Oh, sorry. Uh, what do you guys think? Of, what's your favorite? Uh, what do you? What, what was the question again for you guys about the, your? Uh, what do you think is the greatest American rock band? You know, Mike, we're going to let you go, and, like, you can listen uh, while we talk about it, because that is our next big topic, so we're going to take your 
uh, opinion into it and listen up because we got we got a lot of stats and stuff uh, to present to everybody um, to to talk about who we think is the greatest American rock band. But as always, a, a wide variety of topics. And thanks for bringing the stuff up you did, Mike. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right, we'll talk to you next month, guys. And uh, and happy New Year to both of you again. And and in, in, in enjoy, and we got some good stuff coming up hopefully next month. Thanks a lot, Mike. Yeah, Take happy care. New Year. Take it easy. You know, again, we and I do get passionate about that. I, I can't help it. Like, it just, I, to me, like, sometimes you got to, you know, be a human for a little bit and stop. Like, I mean, you know, when, when the Chris Benoit things come comes up, I just, uh, just stop. Just stop talking about giving him a war. It just, it's just, it's asinine. And, and let's, let's leave it at that. I, I you know, and let's get on to more positive stuff. I, the greatest American rock band of all time. And, and this is an interesting topic because, you know, most of the time when you hear things like greatest ever, greatest, it's, it's just greatest ever. And, and when you think about greatest bands ever, you know, a lot of times the Stones will come up, the Beatles will come up, uh, Led Zeppelin, um, you know, all happen to be English. Right. Um, as, and it's funny how this, this question came up, which spawned a lot of response on my Facebook page as well as on our our show's fan page. It was just innocently enough at Christmas dinner. And uh, my girlfriend's brother was, was talking. He said, you know, I heard a commercial the other day on the radio, and the announcer said, come out and see America's greatest rock band in concert, the Eagles. And he sat there, and he was like, Oh, come on, come on, the Eagles, the greatest American rock band ever. I mean, what? come on. And then he stopped themselves and was like, wait a second, could they be? And same thing, he started to look at, you know, bands that would be considered greatest ever, and a lot of them weren't American. And then other bands that would be ranked above the Eagles were solo acts. And it kind of became a, they're in the conversation. Wow, could yeah. the Eagles be? And they're definitely in the conversation. And a lot of people have, different opinions uh you know we had dank mentioned uh aerosmith they put guns and roses in the mix the eagles from uh mike you know a lot of bands would be in the running and and we we started looking up some stats online like on our phones just checking stuff out and i know i know the way you are with with stats and numbers and and information you're like you are the information superhighway of this show so I'm sure you've done some research on this, and and, and let me and I see the wad of of notes and papers there. Just just give it to me. What do you got as far as this question? Ken, believe it or not, I'm not all about the stats here. I'm not. I'm about when I when I considered this question, I thought, all right, how are they? You know, popularity, quality of music, live performances, legacy. Um, you know. Basically, longevity was part of it, but I was not all about the stats. I was about my, my gut reactions, my love of music, my understanding, even if I don't love a band, that other people, you know, their consideration, really what their body of work means. And the only album that I decided I must listen to again before I weigh in on the absolute greatest was the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds. Because I've listened to it, it never made the impression on me that it did on people in the late 60s. But it being considered one of the greatest albums of all time, I had to listen to it again. And the Beach Boys are in the conversation. What I did, though, because you know it's not the stats, but I did come up with a very long list. 
And my list includes 25 acts. Some of them are among, as I consider, the best of all time, and some of them are maybe just trailblazers in their subgenre of rock. I'll just start it off with a few that I think are among the best. Aerosmith, Van Halen, The Beach Boys, The Doors, The Eagles. Then I get into some of the other acts that really are among the greatest, but probably not in the conversation, and there are people who love this genre that will put them at the top. The Steve Miller Band, Green Day, Metallica, The Ramones, Credence Clearwater Revival, The Allman Brothers Band, The Grateful Dead, which, by the way, I think has to be in the conversation based on their legacy. Fish, which probably doesn't belong on this list, but I had to put them in with the Grateful Dead. Dave Matthews Band. Pearl... <laughs> there are people that are putting I them know, in there I, with I, the I, I can't stand. Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Guns N' Roses, Bon Jovi, R.E.M., The Beastie Boys, Heart, because where are all the women? And I think I have an answer to that. And then a few that are more controversial as far as being a band or whether it's really a front man and a backing group. The Jimi Hendrix Experience, Prince and the Revolution, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. So there's my list. And among the top of my list are Aerosmith, Van Halen, The Beach Boys, and Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. If you had to ask me my top, it's Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, but I know that's a controversial pick. I'll let you weigh in on whether or not they even qualify for the conversation. See, when we, in the con- and it was a pretty in-depth conversation on, on Christmas, because uh, the way that the dining room table is, we're wedged in there. So we got to come up with something interesting to talk about or just we're absolutely miserable as we're feeding our faces and getting fatter as we're crammed into the dining room. And, and so we, we talked about this a lot. And, uh we disqualified Bruce Springsteen. Uh, we just we looked at that more of a, a front man and a backup band. Um, you know, as much as they were together for a while, and it just it, I just didn't see. You know, and we disqualified. You know, Prince and the Revolution, Bruce and the E Street Band, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, uh, Jimi Hendrix Experience. You know, we we like all those guys were were pretty much caught immediately, and a lot of the stuff because we started like researching. You know, kept looking up greatest American rock bands, and a lot of these lists had Bruce Springsteen and the Easter Band as number one. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers was up there, but um, we we cut those guys uh, off our list. So I get it. If you're going to include them, then yeah, I mean it's tough to argue with uh, Bruce Springsteen and the Easter Band. I don't include the other ones that you mentioned. You know, Jimi Hendrix, Prince, Tom Petty, they are frontmen. And they had their solo careers to some degree, you know, some of them. And they prints, of course, with different bands. Here's something interesting about Bruce. Um, when I mention Bruce Springsteen, what comes to mind? What do you think of? Underbite. Okay, not what I was looking for. But when I think of Bruce, one of the things I think of is those four-hour concerts, touring. Now, a, a lot of great studio stuff. Also, you know, great live albums that he's put out. And the touring. Did you know that there is no album, at least no studio album, where the E Street Band is credited? They're all just Bruce Springsteen. And not only that, but they're not even credited as the band in the in the liner notes and the information. They're just listed musician by musician, which to me said, okay, well, then this is just Bruce Springsteen. On the other hand, 
when Bruce performs live, it is always Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. And in fact, he splits the revenues of all of his concerts with the band, which is unheard of in the music industry. So that's what, to me, made it more of this is a band. And also it was the fact that I know the band. I know so many. I know Clarence Clemens and uh, Little Steven and Max Weinberg. And you get to know who the band is. And in fact, they did so much other work that I think they have to be in the conversation, even without Bruce. But the E Street Band would have to be in the conversation as far as best American rock bands. If you took them out of the conversation, I'd probably say Aerosmith. Yeah, see, it was interesting because as we were looking through it, and this was like, which is funny with the two of us because. Uh, usually the the stat numbers guy, and I'm usually the field guy. But uh, we kind of went like the opposite direction here because I, I, you know, I, I started looking at stats because I, I decided if I was really going to pick the best American rock band, um, you know, I, I I gotta go with I got you know I can't just be my taste and, and what I'm I'm getting at and uh, you know some of the things it, it was really interesting to look at the stats and, and you know starting with the Eagles where you know. Again, kind of an American institution, you know, like everyone knows uh, their big songs. Seven studio albums. I mean, only seven studio albums. I mean, great stuff, and hell froze over and they came back, but seven studio albums, ten compilation albums, 29 singles. It was, it was kind of, and what was interesting is as we, we were debating the Eagles, um, you know, the doors came up, and it was kind of a, the Doors can't compare with the Eagles, but comparatively speaking, the Doors have had two more studio albums than the Eagles had. It's very surprising. It's so, a, and and it, it, you would think like get yeah, nine studio albums. Yeah, I mean that that's pretty impressive. And uh, you know, if yeah, I had around up my top five, I was putting the Eagles ahead of the Doors, but the Doors probably right after that. Uh, but that's when you told me that that was very surprising. I I didn't realize the Doors did so much and. Actually, two more albums than the Eagles. And they're interesting because they're close as far as singles. Uh, Doors only had 21, whereas Eagles had 29. Um, compilation albums, though, the Doors have had 19 compilation albums, where the Eagles have had 10. Um, so, you know, those two bands are, are close to each other, uh, closer than you'd think. Uh, bon Jovi came up, 12 studio albums, 57 singles. Wow. So now you're starting to like really kind of pull away a little bit as far as, you know, stats like you know, maybe, you know, it's almost like at that point do you just kind of wow, the Eagles and the Doors aren't in the running anymore. 57 singles. Um that's really, I mean, that's a that's a nice little career, only five compilation albums. Um but you now know, you're talking about quantity of output. Then of course is the question of quality, you know, and and Bon Jovi is terrific, I agree, but where do they rank in quality and and longevity and influence? Well, and that's the thing, though. That's the thing with me with with the music that I, to me the quantity has a lot to do with it because you're able to maintain a music career, right? And, and so you're able to stay at least somewhat relevant for that amount of time. So that's why I think you know quality becomes something very subjective. Uh, quantity just tells me you know how long a career you were able to, to put together. Um, a lot of people on, on both my Facebook page and on our Facebook, you know, throw around Metallica, um, only nine studio albums. Nine studio albums, uh, 37 singles. Um, 
So that I mean, they're there, you know, as far as comparing them to the Eagles and the Doors. Um, for my gut reaction, you know, and that's the thing where gut and quality. I don't even think about Metallica. They're not really my cup of tea. I've always thought they were kind of overrated. Um, you know, they're they're a nice little band for angry adolescents. But as far as like being like looking at Metallica and saying they're the greatest American rock band ever, um, I, I got a hard time with that. Uh, you move and you know, Dank brought up Guns N' Roses. Too short. Too right. short a period. Um, well, that's where when you bring, I, I can't put Nirvana ahead of Pearl Jam in this conversation. But a lot of people would, and the people right. I, I spoke to said, "Well, Nirvana is near the top, and I just can't. You know, it's just longevity is a part of it, and that's where Aerosmith and Bruce and the E Street Band hit the top of my list. Is just how much they've they've done together, how long they've been together, that they keep going. Aerosmith with the comeback and full on huge second career, and the E Street Band just going strong, always on the road, lots of great studio stuff." So, you know, as far as stats, it's that's one of the few things that I had to take into account was if your career was really short, I don't think you could make this list. Yeah, and, and I don't think, like, Nirvana gets way too much credit for, like, Nirvana, to, Nirvana didn't influence a movement. They made that music commercial. That's what they did. Nirvana didn't come out and, you know, perform their songs and people decided, oh, I want to sound like that. I'm going to go write grunge songs. No, there was this whole slew of bands coming out of Seattle that all had that, quote, grunge sound. Nirvana broke through, and so the record labels were like, well, let's let's grab these bands. And so it's not that Nirvana, to me, when, when people say Nirvana influenced uh, a genre of music, I don't really think they did. They made that that music marketable if you want to give them that title but personally anything nirvana put out pearl jam 10 that album is far superior than any single album nirvana put out and and to me if you want to start talking rock albums i put 10 like 10 is up there i'd have to really start looking at it but in my lifetime 10 is one of the best rock albums i've ever heard and i agree with you for you're looking at body of work, I mean, in all honesty, when it comes to Nirvana, I may rank the Foo Fighters over Nirvana. Wow. Um, I don't think the Foo Fighters are quite at the the level of Pearl Jam where you're going to compare them to Nirvana, but I see where you're coming from. They've done a lot, you know, and they've been together. Pearl Jam, uh, 10 was great, and I know that you are, as well as I, a a huge fan of Vitology. Um, but they've done so much since, a lot of albums, done released albums in different ways on different platforms and are always touring, you know, they, they're live shows and they have a huge following, still do. And on that subject, what do you think about the Grateful Dead in this conversation? See, now, the Grateful Dead is one, and in, in, in all honesty, that, that didn't come up in the conversation and they're, they're an interesting group to d- debate here uh and and putting in perspective like look i'm not we're not going to get into semantics as far as you know nowadays everything is specialized and every radio station has a sound you know these are all rock bands you know they're they're rock bands in the truest sense you know they're all labeled rock bands back in the day you know even though they may have had different sounds i mean the beatles and led zeppelin were rock bands you know so we're not going to split hairs as far as 
you know, comparing bands like the Beach Boys and the Eagles and Metallica. They're, right. they're, they're all rock bands. So let's stop with, like, like if you're thinking, oh, no, that's not rock. We're, we're putting them all in that category. Um, you know, the Grateful Dead, putting it in, in, in there, it's just weird. Like, they're not going to have the numbers as far as charting and, and what have you like that. No, but the amount of albums and, yeah, and, you know, it's... Uh, and the touring legacy. I mean, really just... The, what they represented as far as a rock band in America, the, the the people who followed them as a lifestyle. I mean, you know, so, and one other that I didn't put on my list, but probably would have knocked off Dave Matthews' band is Kiss. Another, yeah, one, another one that influenced a lifestyle. And, I mean, Grateful Dead, I think, just based on what they were, and I, I don't know their music really nearly as much as Fish or many of these other albums that, uh, you know, these other groups of Aerosmith, Van Halen, the Eagles, the Doors, and so forth. But, man, I mean, it, it's an American institution. Agreed. And, and, you know, Kiss, another band, you know, both of them, uh, you know, and, 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 and you know, I, I think there's certain bands that, you know, if you want to argue to me Grateful Dead is the greatest American rock band, I can't really argue with that. Uh, if you're going to argue with me that Kiss is, I don't know if I can argue with that either. I mean, they're they're uh, definitely in, in consideration. What really struck me, and, and we brought up Aerosmith, 15 studio albums, uh, 12 compilation albums, uh, 29 singles. Uh, that can't be right. I'm well, looking at the stats. I feel like there's more singles. But anyway. But that would be right in there with the Eagles and the Doors right in that same range. More albums, right. but on the singles and Right. What what really was staggering to me, which blew me away, which to me it's really difficult to argue against the Beach Boys. And when I yep. looked at their numbers, it was 29 studio albums. I mean, to to go back again, Eagles, 7, Bon Jovi, 12, uh, Guns N' Roses, 6, Aerosmith, 15, 29, 29 studio albums, 82 singles. You know, and again, we're not, and it says right on the Wikipedia, Beach Boys are an American rock band. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, it, is, it is really difficult for me to really present uh, a, a case against it. I think that the, probably the best case, best cases you brought up are Grateful Dead and Kiss because there's, there's so much, those are two bands that are so much beyond any stats. Um, the the live aspect of of those bands uh, the the whole you know like you said there's a, there's a subculture to Grateful Dead there's a you know going to see a Kiss show is an event and it continues to be an event yeah there's nothing um, there's nothing comparable it's not like you can say well what about the Allman Brothers well but Credence is better and there's nothing comparable you know you, it's like the Pearl Jam Nirvana thing where there's a, a, something to compare to I'm looking now at my my phone I'm looking at the album the Beach Boys when you get a greatest hits collection together, 36 all-time greatest hits. And most bands cannot put together a collection with 36 all-time greatest hits. And then I'm looking, I'm flipping through what they are, and heck, they really are a lot of tremendous songs. Some of the most singable songs, some of the most fun songs. And again, we're, if Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band represents a certain type of Americana, that, that Northeast gritty experience 
Then the Beach Boys are the opposite experience. They are the California fun beach surfing, but still American experience. And, and that, but the thing is, I think what the Beach Boys got that that Bruce does. I think Bruce is so purely New Jersey. He's he's so Jersey, and I think to a certain extent Bon Jovi is kind of you know tied into that as well. Um, you know, the Beach Boys is just as much as they're so tied to California. Man, you go to the beach and you just you have the Beach Boys in your hand. I mean, it's right, just, right. they still have that, you know, whether it's you're going down to the Jersey Shore and, and you see a girl, like, walk by in a bikini and, and you just wish they all could be California girls. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it's just you know, going back to David Lee Walt's version of that song and, and just surfing USA. and uh, Surfing safari. Yeah, fun, yeah. fun, fun. Sloop John B. I mean, one crazy. after another after another. Uh, you know, and it's it's not only were they a great band, and you know, just a, a slew of hits. Um, oh, who, they almost have their own genre. Yeah, no, that's exactly right, and it's another one where there's not much to compare it to. So they're definitely at the top of that genre, and I agree, they're definitely right there as far as um, you know, best American rock band. It might have been my my experience this weekend with Pet Sounds that where it didn't overwhelm me as an album, and especially as a rock album. And that's, again, that definition of rock, then and now. But it didn't overwhelm me. And the, the amount of hits, absolutely tremendous. But what was considered their best didn't do it for me just now. And that's the, I was thinking Beach Boys maybe is my answer as the top. And that's what dropped them for me below Aerosmith and Bruce. And I can't just say Bruce. I got to say Bruce on the band. Yeah, I have to, I have to do that. But it's, so, so you're putting you're putting Bruce number one. I think that I'm putting Bruce number one, and if he doesn't count, it's Aerosmith. I got to disagree with you. I I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. Look, Aerosmith had has had a long career. They're still together. They're still touring. There's been some friction, but they're together. And There's it's always not, been friction. Yeah, but it's it's. It, a tremendous amount, not just of singles, but great singles. And, you know, for such a long amount of time, so influential, um, such a legacy. And I, I think that that's what puts them over the top. You know, as far as more recent bands, I was surprised not to hear that much about Green Day. I think that in the as far as bands that have debuted in the past, let's say, 25 years, Green Day has got to be at or near the top of the list. I think part of the problem with music now is the specialization. Like like I'm saying, I mean, you know, back in the day, like these are all rock bands. Um, as much as there's different sounds to, to all of them, you know, these are rock bands. I, You know, to me, I think uh, uh, Green Day is not, I don't know if people readily think of them as a rock band. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just like everything is, you know, your 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 pop or your rock or your metal or your alternative and and your your punk i mean everything has to have like its its own like finite category where you know and it's it's moved in that direction over the years but it, you know as time has gone on but even like to a certain extent you know growing up for us you know you listen to a quote pop music station and you would hear michael jackson prince madonna Guns N' Roses, Metallica, you know, you would, you, you too. I mean, it was all forms of music. Um, right, right. Now, 
so if you want your rock music, you got to go to the rock station. You want your pop music, you got the pop station. And and you know a lot of times they don't mix. I you know I get it. I I could see where uh, a, a band like uh, Green Day should perhaps be mentioned. Um, I just think that, and especially as far as newer groups, it's probably that people don't readily think of them as a quote rock band. I don't know. They, I love love their early punk stuff, and I think that is great rock. It's punk rock, but it's great. But what they became and what they they still are is an amazing band that puts out some some amazing concept albums, some really, if their punk stuff was just rocking and fun, this is great musical stuff. You know, quality, quality music. And they're doing things that other people aren't doing right now, and they're still in that genre of rock. I agree with you. I think they, they have put on, uh, you know, they've done something very unique with their band. They've done something that, you know... Who knew? I, I mean, I you know when I first you know saw this band get out there, and I liked their early stuff, um, but I, I didn't expect anything really you know artsy out of them. And I saw American Idiot on Broadway, and it was it was awesome. Um, I saw it with uh, with Billy Joe. Um, I love the album. I love the show. Uh, it was it was tremendous. And um, you know what was cool is at the end of the show they gave uh, everyone in the cast an acoustic guitar. And uh, after the curtain call, the entire cast sang uh, "Time of Your Life." Oh, very cool! It was very really cool. awesome. But I just pulling up their stats. Yeah. Um, studio albums eleven. Yep. Puts them there. Forty singles. I, I don't doubt it. Forty singles, yeah. four compilation albums. Uh, they're, they're the compilation albums. It's tough when you're as new as Green Day. Right. So you but uh, you know, you look at some of these. And I'm looking up. You know, to get into more specifics, which we didn't get into with the other bands, but. Just put it out there. I mean, Kerplunk, uh, Platinum uh, Certified, R R I A A Platinum, BPI Gold, MC Gold, Dookie, Diamond, four times Platinum, three times Platinum, three times Gold, Platinum Gold. I mean, they had some serious Insomniac, two times Platinum, Platinum, Platinum Gold, Gold, two times Platinum, Nimrod, two times Platinum, three times Platinum. These are all from, uh, you know, different organizations who rank music, but... uh. American Idiot, RIAA, six times platinum. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's sales. You know, as far as the RIAA, at least, it's it's based on sales in uh, North America, I believe, is, is what's covered. But uh, it might be America, it might be North America. But you can't argue with just the, the raw numbers. No, you can't. And, and then, you know, they are probably a band that... Uh, Deserves you know, should, more, maybe? Should, should be mentioned in that. But I do think that, you know, part of the problem is when you say rock band, I think people just think they're an alternative. They don't readily think, oh, yeah, that, that let's put them in that category. I'm going to bring up one that I mentioned because I'm wondering about your take on this. Heart. And I, I put it in there because it was the best female band I could think of. Not Vixen? <laughs> no, not the Bangles, not the Go-Go's. Not Vixen, not not Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, which is you know, but heart. And I put them in there because they're a great band, probably not one of the best of all time, but I, without knowing the actual answer and figuring that not enough women, girls, let's say, not enough girls are growing up playing rock instruments to put together a whole band. We have a lot of bands fronted by females because they sing. 
but it's when they're younger that they're not taking it up. I don't know if you have another take on it, as well as on Hart itself. I love Hart, and I think they're, you know, it's funny because then you get into the, you know, I guess they're a band. I'm trying to think, are they a duo? They band, you get into semantics. I mean, do we have to discuss Hall and Oates? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Any chance I get, I discuss Hall and Oates. <laughs> One of the greatest, greatest hits albums ever. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, I love Hart. In fact, there's talk that uh, Led Zeppelin wants uh, Ann Wilson to tour with them because Robert Plant wants nothing to do with it. Huh. And uh, the Hart's version of uh, Stairway to Heaven that um, well, there's something honor some some something honoring Led Zeppelin. Uh, I mean, Robert Plant was actually crying. It was it was such an incredible rendition. So uh, um, I think right there, you know, you gotta mention them uh, in the mix. Uh, probably not greatest of all time, but we can start to talk about ladies and and rock. Um, you got to put them up there. And, you know, being in a band and having a female singer in our band, it, it, it gets intriguing. You say that because we wind up doing a lot of pink because there's not a lot of like female rock anymore. You know, you go back, you had Hart, you had Janis Joplin. You know, you had those female rock vocalists. Uh, you know, not so much anymore. So uh, yeah, you know, I guess uh, the little little girls out there should. Uh, Pick listen. up a guitar, play some drums. Amen, brother. Uh, hell of a show tonight. Hell of a show. We got about two minutes left. Uh, we hit, geez, we we hit film, TV, sports, music. Well done. And, and Taylor Negron. Exactly, and and politics to a certain extent. Absolutely, a good, great show. Always variety. That's the way. Always. That's the way to kick off 2015. Happy New Year. Absolutely. Yeah. Happy 2015. Uh, varied as always, anything that we want to talk about, anything you want to talk about, anytime. Every- yeah, I agreed, man. Like, you know, if you guys are supporting the show, that's cool in the gang, and thank you so much, and keep calling, and tell your friends. Tell your friends, share the link, get them on board, but you know what? If you listen to the show and you don't like it, well, piss off, because get on the Facebook then and tell us what you want us to talk about, because... Um, you know, like the whole rock band thing came out of people just commenting on Facebook and thinking... Hell, this would be a good topic. So, you want us to talk about something? You know, pop it on the Facebook. You know, we will, we'll definitely consider it. So, and come we'll, on board, man. We'll definitely have an opinion, no doubt. Exactly, because I mean, we have an opinion on everything. Right, we really do. So it, it's good stuff, and we're glad to be back. And uh, you know, we'll be back next month, uh, dissecting the wonderful world of pop culture. I'm sure that they'll be like. You know, now that we'll sign off, like, you know, someone's going to quit the Avengers or, uh, <laughs> you know, something big's going to happen, like, as soon as we sign off. But we'll we'll bring it all to you, a month worth of pop culture next month. Uh, but great show, about 25 seconds left. Good time tonight, Paul. Paul? Paul? Why did I look at you and say Paul? I don't know, James. <laughs> <laughs> it's late. But anyway, I'm Todd. <laughs> this is Ken. And uh, we love it. We we love talking to you. We love having you listen. Ken, I, I'm going to sign us off for the first time. Everybody, happy new year. See you next time.